0: Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Muddharnan Webster. Muddharnan's life has been balanced by the traditions and practices of Kundalini Yoga. Her love of humanity and fascination with the human mind and behavior guided her towards a career where she could influence people and enrich their lives through the use of psychology and meditation. She received her master's degree from the University of Oregon and moved to California where she became a licensed marriage and family therapist. She currently runs a full practice out of Napa, California. Her conviction of the positive influence that meditation has on the psychology and well-being of a person plays a major role in her approach to therapy which led to the writing of her first book, The Stressless Brain. One of her goals is to bring chanting meditations, a basic tenet of kundalini technology, into the mainstream. As a result, she has created over 45 singles and has produced four CDs. If you're stressed or anxious, you're going to get so much out of today's episode. I'm talking with Nan and she's going to be sharing some amazing tools and strategies to calm the nervous system and retrain the monkey mind. Take a deep breath, exhale, and here we go. Okay, everybody, you're in for a treat today because we have Mutter Nan with us and she's gonna be talking about stress and anxiety and trust and betrayal and helpful tools to help us heal from all of it. So welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here.
0: Uh, Thank you. And you know, we purposely, and, and I always like to share what goes on behind the scenes. We started chatting a little bit beforehand and I purposely wanted to stop because I had a feeling that we were gonna have some really powerful nuggets that you were gonna be dropping. And I didn't wanna to have to say, have you have to say, oh, let's repeat that. I just wanted to save it and give it to the audience. So awesome. um, yeah, so let, let's just dive right in. You know, talking about stress and anxiety. And, and I, I talk a lot to the audience about, with from some of our amazing guests, the connection between the mind-body, you know, how, how the body is impacted by stress and anxiety, can we start there?
1: Like give us yes. your,
0: yeah, your, your take yeah. on what's going on.
1: So a couple of things, one is stress and anxiety has become such a prevalent part of every single day of our life. When you ask someone, Hey, how are you? And they go, Oh, I'm so anxious. And they go, Oh yeah, me too. And then you like pass the coffee or, you know, hand me the sugar versus 50 years ago. That was not part of our language And stress and anxiety are really, they're two different things. Stress is a part of life. Like um, when my son was learning how to ride his bicycle, that was really stressful. And he got on and he fell and he got on again and he was determined and it was super stressful. But then when he learned how to ride the bike first time, like that expression on his face and that stress was instantly gone. So, you know, you're about to ask someone on a date, maybe you've, you know, you've been betrayed and you're But you're taking a chance to do something again that's there's a normal stress but if that stress does not go away after you do the action that's when we start looking at the anxiety it's something that's inside of us that is sometimes it's dormant and then sometimes it revs up and it really you know gears up and it affects our organs and our glands and our heart and our lungs and our mind and that's when it becomes a problem. Mm
0: And you know, and I, I talk about this where it's one thing, I mean, we're so exquisitely designed mm-hmm. to, to, we're designed where we're protected when we need to ignite that stress response. It's there for you. Like, let's say there's a car coming at us. We ignite that stress response. That's why the, you know, the pupils dilate and the blood and oxygen, oxygen go to the heart and lungs. We could jump the curb to safety. Yeah. But after that, it's supposed to settle down. but it's right. It's when we keep that going. uh, That's when it, that's when it creates a problem. So let's dive into anxiety a little bit more. So now let's say there was that experience, that stressful experience, Mm -hmm. the stress response is ignited. Now the anxiety is, is just
1: keeping it going. What's happening now? So what's happening is, is that it depends on who the person is so some people are very much in their head which means you start ruminating you're you're, you're thinking about the event again and again through this avenue how, well, what do they think what do i think how does it make me feel what were they thinking about me now and we we're just and we can spend there hours or we get in our body and and our stomach hurts or our hands are sweaty or are you know clammy our armpits are sweaty and we think oh, something must be wrong because my body is reacting this way. But it's not, it's it's that sense of our minds are so powerful what we think we creates our feelings. And if we are really stuck in our body, we can get locked into the sensations in our body. And we, and, you know, we get like hypochondriac. We were like, oh, I must be having cancer or, or I have an infection or I have COVID or you know, all these, you know, now we have COVID, all these things and we can loop or we get in our mind and we're looping again and again. And the mind, the yogis believe that the mind thinks in contrast, it's polarities, right? Wrong, good, bad. When something happens to us, like when we have a betrayal, we are trying to make sense. Why would this person do this? Like that's a big question like why? Sometimes it just happens. But because our mind is in polarity thinking, we're trying to find reason. They're bad or I'm bad. They, they did it on purpose or I deserved it. And that in that looping, where we believe that what I'm thinking is true can really keep us stuck for years. Like you were sharing on your TED talk, that like people are stuck for 45, 30 years, 15 years, and it is our thinking. And so that the anxiety and the fear, which the yogis believe fear is in our, is, um, in our kidneys. And so I often tell you, it's a little tool. If you're feeling fearful and you can't loop out of your emotions, Mm -hmm. it's kind of a funny thing. You drink a big, tall glass of water. You just chug that thing down because it flushes your system and then you go urinate and it can help to change your mood. It can help to shift you just by literally using water.
0: Uh, Isn't the body so beautifully designed? And I I remember learning, uh, we had some, an expert on who was saying which organ is, is like, which emotion impacts which organ. And Mm -hmm. it's so brilliant because when you know that instead of just taking some sort of pill or something for the discomfort in that organ, why not get to, you know, if there's an emotion or feeling attached and really get to it at the, at the root, because, you know, as you were saying that it's, it's so true. We have all of these symptoms and symptoms are just, you know, this sort of warning saying, Hey, something needs our attention, Mm -hmm. but then we medicate those symptoms. And then of course we never really get to the root of it.
1: Yeah. Go ahead. I said, sometimes we even feed the symptoms. Like, like, like we have a little, like a person says one little sentence or, or, or we, we see someone comes in and they're wearing a sweatshirt of our, our ex or our, my grandfather's college, and you instantly go down that rabbit hole of these emotions and feelings. Words are seeds, and they can plant and become weeds, and they can you know, take over our mind, and we can loop in these reoccurring worrying thoughts, or they just decompose. And that's oh, I'm so sorry. I mean, just turn on that. And that's where um, we can get stuck when we start looping.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, right and where does yoga play into this because you know it's it's true we have and I always say the issues are in the tissues right so we have all of these experiences all of these let's say our betrayal and our sense of you know I was wronged or I'm not good enough or this enough or that enough and it all gets sort of lodged within Mm -hmm.
1: talk to us about yoga and how that could really serve so yoga is a meditation for your body. Oh, I love yoga, that. Yeah. Yoga, you know, when you're doing breath work and movement and you're holding a posture and you're, in, you're bringing that focus of flow into your body, you're able to shift energy. And we are self-initiating each yoga class or each yoga pose. We are self-initiating. We're choosing to be there. And what I love about, you know, I tell people often like, coming to my yoga classes, I'm not teaching as much now because of COVID, but when I say to people, each yoga class is a little bit like a therapy, but you're, you're not talking with other people and the, I'm not talking to them in a psychotherapy way. I'm teaching yoga class, but it allows people to be in a journey of self-discovery and more awareness. When we are more aware, then we can say, oh, wow, look at how I behaved here. And how can I change that? And I talk about like these, what happens is like X happens, an event happens. We make up in our mind, our interpretation of that event what we make up in our mind is what makes us feel how we feel. It's not what the person said or did, it's our interpretation. And then how we feel and then what we do with that feeling. And we're very, you know, like we are creatures of habit and we can get looped in unhealthy loops. And we can also break through and change that loop pattern. And yoga is a way that when we're sitting there or we're moving through the posture, we're able to allow parts to come up and allows us to then intervene. Oh, how could I think differently about this event? How can I look through a different lens? And how do
0: we know if we're overthinking or if it's coming up because it needs to be addressed?
1: Well, if it comes up, it depends on how you react to it. If something is, if you're thinking something and you're getting hooked and you're going into polarity, right, wrong, good, bad, that means you're looping. Mm -hmm. That means, you know, you're stuck in the thinking of, well, you know, they're such a jerk and I can't believe they did that. And, and it's like them, them, they, the situation. And, and we get very stuck in, like, we're in it. But we feel separate from it, and it, it's a weird feeling. It's like this is affecting me so much, but we're so in the they and them and the situation and pointing, mm-hmm. and, ha- and oh, it's making me feel this way. And I tell people sometimes, you know, it depends. You have to be in the right mind to hear this. I'm like, you're biting the bait. Like mm-hmm. it's your interpretation of the situation. Like you're choosing to in, to get involved in the conflict, whether it's inside your head. Or in the actual situation.
0: And I could just hear my audience now. I always try to get into the minds of my listeners and viewers yeah. like, what do you mean I'm 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 biting the I'm biting the bait? I've been
1: betrayed.
0: What do you say well, to that person?
1: Well, there's again, it's looking at what's your interpretation of the situation and how we interpret situations is influenced by our past experiences. So it's, you know, I often talk about lenses. Like when we go to the optometrist, they're like, is it A or is it B? Is it A or is it B? Is it three or is it four? And you're like, oh, you're trying to find the right vision. When we have a betrayal, when we have a hurt, when we're afraid, when we're angry, when we have these, we're looking through the lens of betrayal. And if we keep looking through the lens of betrayal, Then we're going to be stuck in the feeling experience of betrayal, versus if we look at say, okay, let's say I was betrayed six years ago, or 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 even six weeks ago, we can say, okay, what was you know like what was my self then? Who am I now? am i the same person now that i am then can i be more can i take a step back and look at the situation a little bit more objectively it doesn't mean that we don't have pain but we we respond to the pain differently rather than react react is the animal part of us it's it's that fight or flight
0: you know what i what i love about what you're saying is it's it's just it's becoming more proactive instead of being reactive. And when really betrayal or any other trauma happens, we do have that choice. We can get so stuck in the trauma and the drama of it or say, okay, yes, this really hurt. This was the most painful thing ever. And, and I'm just going to find my way through this.
1: And it's easier said than done, especially when we really like if it affected our physical health, our mental health, our financial health, our spiritual health. There's so many different kinds of betrayal in our life. Mm-hmm. And again, it is that that lens that we look through. And I wish I could remember her name, but I, I'm sorry, I can't. But I listened to this, this interview on um, NPR many years ago. as a French diplomat woman who had been kidnapped in the congas and was kidnapped for years out in the bush with these with these radicals and tied to a tree for years when you listen to her you're just in awe because she just said oh i just blessed them i just had such compassion And, and i'm listening going like oh my god like for a year and a half or more she was tied to this tree who knows what had happened to her and when she was released but her state of mind is this lens, this ability.
0: And that's the state state of mind that can keep us alive. I mean, we've heard of Viktor Frankl in Man's Search for Meaning, how, you know, the atrocities during in these concentration camps, and it was really the, the perspective of they can't take away, you know, what I think. And mm-hmm. it, that might have been what kept him alive. And I just heard a story, too, uh, about I think this was from years ago, where these kids these teenagers took a frozen turkey i don't know if you ever heard this story and they just threw it and it bashed into a car window Mm. and demolished this i think it was a woman this woman's face and then after surgeries and so much pain and she completely forgave Mm -hmm. the boy who did this. I mean, that's just an incredible level of forgiveness. And I, I don't, I'm certainly not there yet, but I aspire to, to have whatever it is that could have somebody react in that way. Well,
1: here's, here's what I find, I found in the 22 years of doing psychotherapy is, is that when we have experiences with people, good and bad, we create invisible strings and hooks in in ourselves yeah. that connect us to that person and sometimes to the event and, and these little invisible strings, you can't see them, but like I said, you hear a song, you see someone look similar to that. You have an environment that's similar to that. And, and you, we have these neurological pathways in our brain and something triggers and we go down that emotional train, that emotional journey. So. These invisible strings are there. And the more that we can become aware that I am myself, I've, even though I've had pain, I am not the same person today than I was 10 years ago, three years ago, 40 years ago. You're just not like your cells have been, you know, like they say we replace our bodies every seven years. So mm-hmm. you're not the same. Your hairstyle might be different. Maybe your makeup's different, your style of clothes, you have changed. So there's a great tool that I tell people is that when you think of an event or a person that's hurt you, that's in your life or you don't have them in your life or you don't want them in your life, you bless them because quantum physics science talks that what we put out comes back to us tenfold. So when you Mm -hmm. bless your enemy, when you bless those who've hurt us, which is easier said than done, I wanna be very respectful to that that, but when you bless them, it helps to heal you. And the second sentence is very important. We say, I let go of my attachments. When you combine those two together, you cut some of those invisible strings. So you can use the word God, that God bless John Mm -hmm. but some people, God is a dirty word. So if you don't want to use it, that's fine. To me, it's not a dirty word. So I use it, Mm -hmm. but you can say, you know, bless John. I let go of my attachments and you can, every time you get that feeling of emotion or thought, bless Susie. I let go of my attachment, bless my fourth grade experience. I let go of my attachments. And you say, it, and, and you're sending the energy out, which comes back. And then you cut those invisible strings. And they're like a fish hook. Those, those pain, those strings of pain. I'm not a fisherman, but this has two hooks. It has a hook that catches the fish and it has a hook that snags that you can't pull it out. Mm-hmm. Like, like mm-hmm. the fish can't get loose from from the hook because it has right. two hooks and that's how emotional pain, trauma and betrayal is. They can have double hooks.
0: Yeah. Oh, I can so see that. And, you know, it's interesting because I, I heard of a cutting cords process where you do it, you know, with your, your your arms, or we even had someone do a masterclass within the community, and she was explaining how you do it with with metal and, and or like big scissors or something. I'm like, please don't don't do this at home unless you really know what you're doing here. But I can see how impactful that would be to just really symbolize this this cut this really the cutting of those cords yeah. because it's the the cords represent could represent so much
1: pain. That and it's also it's attachments. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, we talk in therapy a lot about attachments like there's, you know, the whole books about attachment and there should be ideally attachment healthy between mother, father, and child, mm-hmm. but there is unhealthy attachment. There's trauma bonding. Yeah. And so when we say that bless you fill in the name, I let go of my attachments. You can do this with people you want in in your life. I have two sons and I love them. And sometimes I have conflict with them. They're in high school and college. And what I do when I feel the conflict of like power struggle, or they're not listening, I just bless them and let go of my attachments. And what I'm letting go of is the need to be right. Mm -hmm. The need that I think I know best because I'm the mother or, and maybe I do, but the more we get so attached to things, we're not looking through our higher consciousness. We're looking through the hooks. That get us ego. stuck in the right. ego. Yeah. Do you
0: notice a difference in your sons when you do
1: that? Hundred percent. I, I had a conflict with a friend years ago around a parenting. Her son and my son are were best friends, and I had to kind of set a boundary with her around some a parenting thing with my kid when he was there, and she was mad at me. Like I heard her feelings, and I really didn't mean to. I was just like, "Hey, I don't, I don't want my kid to do this right now. Not mm-hmm. yet. He's mm-hmm. he's nine Or and she was mad at me and I felt really worried. She's not going to speak to me. Is she is She mad? You know, like she hadn't called me. She hadn't texted me. And and I was doing something and I just started reciting. I just said her, you know, God bless. I'll call her Susie. God bless Susie. I let go of my attachment. And I just kept saying it again and again. And then she called me and it was all fine. And, and so it allowed me to set myself free of my perceived vision. Again, portrayal. There are facts and then there's what we make up about it. And what it's what we make up about it is what hooks us to that betrayal. The fact is the fact. If someone mm-hmm. choked you, they choked you. That's mm-hmm. a fact. Right. What you interpret about it is going to be the hook that keeps you lodged in. It's the it's what it's, it's like super glue but it's hard to disconnect. But if you can work on what your interpretation of what you make up and how you feel about it and be like, well, is there another way I could think about it? Like not the choking piece, but the story around it, what keeps me afraid. That's a very intense situation, but it could be name calling. It could be gaslighting. It could be an affair. It could be, you know, lying. I mean, betrayal can come in many different forms.
0: Absolutely. And I, I love the idea of just the impact of something that we can do on our own that can have just such a profound impact and you see it and you, and you feel it. It's just, it, and everything is energy. So why wouldn't that be the case? It's, it makes total sense. Let's talk about, uh, and we started talking about this a little bit before I hit record Kundalini yoga. And I was, I was sharing uh, this is just for everybody that it's something that I'm so interested in and something that I'm starting because it seems to have every benefit that I want. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about that.
1: Sure. So Kundalini means awareness and yoga means union. And really all forms of yoga work on awareness in some form or another. Kundalini yoga and meditation works on our glandular system, our organs and our nervous system and allows us to get deep into our body. Like you were asking, like, how does yoga affect? And I said yoga is meditation for the body. Meditation is meditation for the mind. So um, what I like about kundalini yoga and why I've integrated it into my psychotherapy practice is because it's so weird and different, but it helps to get our own perceived stuckness and ego out of the way so we can change. And it really works on becoming more aware within ourselves. It's not to change you to be someone else. It's to enhance the greatness that you already are, but our pain, suffering, and betrayal clouds and pushes our true self way to the back of the, you know, in the back. And then we're leading our life through pain and suffering or a big wall, So the kundalini yoga uses a lot of breath work. It's a movement exercises versus um, other kinds of yoga, which is more like flow as you move from one posture and you hold it, you flow into another posture and you hold it or it's strength bearing. Mm -hmm. And those are great as well. Kundalini yoga is more of a movement. So you might be Doing one exercise anywhere from one minute to sometimes 11 minutes and Mm -hmm. and you're doing the same repetitive motion. And as a psychotherapist, I have found that when you're doing that repetitive motion, you're able to break down some of the barriers of how we have developed our thinking to survive life. Mm -hmm. But sometimes survival keeps us stuck rather than thriving, like you've used that word thriving. And when we're doing this repetitive, we're able to suddenly step away from our reoccurring patterns and start connecting to our breath being more like, oh, I could look at this different. Sometimes it's not unusual to cry and feel very emotional doing Kundalini yoga meditation. And I tell people that's okay. You want to just breathe through it. And it's okay to have a little notebook and you could do some journaling and see what comes up. And if a lot comes up, you can go meet with a you know, licensed professional and work through it.
0: And, and, you know, it just seems like through these longer uh, movements, it's it's, really unearthing what was so buried by just we just get numb and we just go about our days and we just push this stuff down and it's it's really having that opportunity just to see this stuff what about the uh that you know i was i remember reading about the serpent and Mm, the kundalini yeah kundalini rising
1: the awakening right can you talk about that yeah, so, you know, so the yogis believe that the kundalini energy, which is that energy of awareness, resides dormant about three inches below your belly button. When you awaken self-awareness, that energy flow, the yogis believe it travels down to the first chakra, which is the base energy center. And then it travels up the shushima, which is an energy core that travels from the base all the way up through the energy centers and out the top of the head. When you have that awareness, you feel a flow of energy inside of you. So that's what the yogis believe. Um, you know, Carl, um, Carl Jung spoke about um, kundalini as well, way before it was even a hip thing in, in Hollywood or, you know, New York and, and, and aware, this sense of awareness It is this connection between mind, body, and spirit. It is this connection between mind, body, and soul that we are one. The yogis believe that the soul is this energy, it's just energy force the spirit that's coming to this earth i'm going woo woo on you here on a moment but it's an energy force that comes down into the body to have a human experience mm-hmm. and when we get really into the human experience we can lose our connection to our spirit to our divine to our soul we lose it because we get very much caught into our body the sensations of being in a body our hurts our you know just the elements, taste, smell, hear, feel, like we can mm-hmm. really get, get caught into that. And those stories that we develop over our childhood can become our full reality. And we lose the connection to our spirit. We forget that we are spirit, that we are a spirit having a human experience. Mm-hmm. And awareness, that's that that awakening, which is like the coiling of the energy up the spine, is the awakening of connecting to our spirit.
0: So what would be the difference, let's say, and how do you, you, you know, cause I just love getting so practical. How do you know if you're doing it right? And what, what would be the difference in, in that you go into a session and you come out of it? What are you supposed to feel? Are you just supposed to feel relaxed, better, more clear,
1: connected? All of the above. Oh, so, okay. so, so, and it is okay. It, you know, sometimes it, it, there's a reason why we have you know relaxation and and Kundalini yoga meditation is pretty much a formula. Like you have, you, you can have a warm up, and then you have a kriya, which is a set of exercises to create an experience, and and you want to go through that. And as you're traveling through, you know, if it's seven exercises or fifteen exercises that you're doing in a row, it's normal to feel a little bit of a like I'm being torn apart a little bit, Mm -hmm. but you want to keep up because you come to the end, it zips back together. And then when you lay down for Shavasana, you lay down for relaxation, it allows the body to settle. And then when you sit in meditation, you're able to then really harness the mind. And ultimately Kundalini yoga meditation is about training the mind. It's about Building the relationship between the mind and your soul. So, the mind, the yogis believe that the mind is a servant. Mm-hmm. It's a, it, thinks, it thinks, it thinks, and it has to make sense of everything. And if we don't train the mind how to think, we don't train the mind what to focus on. It's going to focus on our ego. If you get narcissistic, that's in you know, a popular world in our culture, or, or we're very lost and we can follow any, any shiny person mm-hmm, or object mm-hmm. and we get lost and we get lost again and again because our mind's just looking for the shiny object. When we, when we work through meditation to train the mind, then we train the mind to connect to our, our highest consciousness our Mm -hmm. spirit, our soul, and it takes time. You can have an experience. I think science has found three minutes of meditation does lower your blood pressure. So Mm -hmm. there is an effect. Mm -hmm. Now, will it cut your your like, let's say you have a negative belief about yourself that you're stupid. Will three minutes cut that, you'll never have it again? No, you got to work a little harder because you've probably been having that negative thought in your head for a long time. Mm -hmm. But through the practice of becoming more aware and repetitive, you know, if it's breath or chance, you know, in my book, I do offer 37. free meditations that come with it and all the music and so by listening to the to the mantra music and reciting or using doing the different breathing it does it's it's like a drip of nectar that fills fills your inner tank mm-hmm. and as you're doing your practice every day and, and it doesn't have to be kundalini meditation it could be buddhist it could be jewish it could be christian i mean really all religions have been meditating since the beginning of time they just don't call it that they call it something else right but they have it's not like it's a new concept
0: yeah beautiful okay so where do people go to learn more about you
1: so i have a website which is mutternan.com and um i have all my meditations on there my book I i have free shipping anywhere in the states And so you can get there. Of course, my book's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and a lot of other bookstores as well. And um, I'm on Instagram, which, you know, I post little things there, but... Terrific. Well, you know what? I want to thank you so
0: much. I, I this was really a uh, a wealth of information you shared with us on stress and anxiety and and how it affects the body, and then and then how to get ourselves out of the mess we can sometimes find ourselves in. So, thank you so much for your wisdom, your
1: time, your insight. Thank you so much for having me and speaking with you. As I really enjoyed it.
0: I always find it so interesting to see what the mind can do to the body and then how we can use the body to retrain the mind. Stay in touch with Mudder by going to MudderNan.com and we'll have all of our information in the show notes at the pbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. Words are seeds that can grow into weeds and yoga is meditation for the mind. We can get so stuck in the negative thought loop that hooks invisible toxic strings into another person. It's only when we become aware of what we're doing, rein in those thoughts, and use modalities like kundalini yoga to train the mind that we can release pain, attachments, and even bless those who were once our enemies. To get a baseline of what all that pain may have created, be sure to take the post-betrayal syndrome quiz, which you can find at the pbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough.